In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hey everybody, this is Vicky B. And this is Brendan. And you're listening to Back on Track, where we team up to hash out the most exemplary tunes of this big old gay experience we call life. There it is. <laughs> this week, our theme is Sexy Means. I think we came here today to talk about our experiences as drag queens and gay men's and women's um, and what it was like experiencing being sexually attracted to artists or experiencing other gay men artists. And I, so I think we wanted to, it, it's very easy in our world to make big, big old playlists of, of Destiny's Child and TLC and uh, Madonna and all of these girl groups that we resonate with and respond to. But I, I thought it necessary to create a playlist of, in honor of the men. You know? I, I really appreciate that because I think too, not to get political, but I think that very often we uh, we you know focus on so many other things about the gay experience and sometimes forget about the sex and homosexuality. Yeah, we can really cut the genitals off of it. Exactly. So today we're um, going to stitch the genitals back on, putting the balls back on <laughs> for the and, children, uh, <laughs> and we're going to talk about our favorite sexy men. I think my question for you, Vic, is um, what's your type? What's a sex Sexy man for you. Oh my goodness. I'm you know, I like the homo thugs. Homo thugs. I like I like a little bit of urban flair. I like a low fade Caesar. <laughs> I like some ear jewelry. Um, you know, a little on the brown side, you know, Italian, Puerto Rican, Latino, Greek, that type of thing going on. Sure. I, I like to imagine a thug with flair. A thug with flair, exactly. <laughs> well, there was a there was there was a quiz that you could take online to figure out what your style profile would be for the types of guys that you were attracted to. And now, nowadays, there's this big old lumber sexual thing that's coming back in. And you know, I got the beard and all this business. So, but contrary to popular belief, my type isn't necessarily the lumber sexual orientation. It winds up being kind of this dapper Dan, more of like a, a suit wearing P. Diddy type of. That's of what situation. does it for you. A little bit, yeah. He's got it. So a, it's, it's a grown up thug. A grown up thug that's like pretty and he's got his situation together he's still cute so what makes him what makes him thuggish um he's martin timberlands got it with the suit yeah okay or a nice sweater okay or a little or a little bit of like a a velvet well not velvet but velour you know tracksuit sean john type of situation yeah but it does it's not orange right it's black (laughs) don't get it it goes with the interior of the white escalade yeah you know. All right. Well, I um how about you? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think uh, it's interesting to me anyway. Um I I can relate to you on the brown. I like a little bit of um something extra very often, a little bit of um ethnicity, ambiguous ethnicity is fun. Um but I don't know that I have I'm trying to think of what really does it for me that turns me on. You know, this is so culturally um I'm sort of culturally a lady in this way, I think, but it's so um, circumstantial for me. It's so scenario driven. I feel like I'm really story driven in my lust. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always a certain kind of uh, a physicality or whatever. It's really the whole package for me. Yeah. I like big packages, <laughs> but they're not always necessarily in the lower hemisphere of the body i like a good a decent sized man i'm a chubby chaser i'm just gonna throw that right out there right but it's interesting what you had to say about stories because a lot of the selections that you made for this this week's list actually tell a lot of really romantic and interesting stories they have a, a, a narrative and a through line and you can tell that the type of man that you respond to um, it's going to sweep you off your feet, and in, in your the the narrative that you write together is going to be a, an epic romantic love saga, and I think that's beautiful. I like, but what's the real deal is it's a lot of talk. I'm talking, you know, I like I like all of the the physical things that you know men appreciate about the body. 
I think that my list, the list of songs that I brought to the table this week, do have a lot to do with the physical. And it's something that growing up as a young little drag queen from Western Massachusetts, it was difficult for me to become comfortable with. And I heard a lot of these songs on the radio and would imagine that they were singing to me, mm. but only in my secret place. I couldn't really acknowledge publicly that I, that I was fantasizing that these men were speaking to me. Um, so it's it feels very um, affirming and and I'm very proud to present these from this perspective now, this many years later, to feel comfortable with that. You know, I have a question about that too real quick because I think that what's so interesting when you grow up gay is there is something naughty about just acknowledging your attraction. So sure. there's um, so there's this naughtiness that's so um, enticing. And then when you are more open about your sexuality, some of that becomes less naughty and so your naughtiness changes a bit. Um, and I think that is one of the interesting parts about uh, how your sexuality changes as you get older that we don't always talk about a lot in life. It's like you're this way, you're that way. You like this or you like that. And the reality is it's all contextual. All of those turn-ons are, you know, going to shift and change as your experiences grow and change. And so I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. As you're growing up, you're not dealing with the shame and the embarrassment and the, you know, the you, you don't want to blow up your spot back in the day. And so and so if, if if just, you know, being with the man isn't naughty anymore, you've got to get the ball gag out. Yeah. <laughs> so then you, you come out with discipline in 2008 <laughs> and you talk about being in a cage and that's another podcast. But we'll get around to Janet. Eventually. All right, Vicky. <laughs> so let's talk about the first sexy man. Let's get well, into I it. Well, I mean, like a, a, a big old gang comes out for my first track. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm hitting you like from all sides. Oh, it's sh- like, yeah, it's a oh, pinball gosh. situation. Y'all, there's gonna be a lot of innuendo. Okay, in this yeah, innuendo. <laughs> all right. So my first song that I chose was it's called Full Service from New Kids on the Block with New Edition from the album. Oh, That's like a double attack. There is so many entendres going around. And I, first of all, I feel like it's about 10 guys right now that participated in this track. You yeah. have to say full service. You full service. It's it's an extended oral sex metaphor. Let's just all be real. And I just see like ten guys in like blue, light blue overalls with their names on their shirts, like hitting it home with like a girl that's pulling over on the side of the road to get her oil checked. Quotations. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the song was written by uh, Lady Gaga and produced by Red One. Okay, right. So it's a new one. Yes, it's a newer Ish. one. It's, it's from the 2005 return. I believe it's 2005 return uh, of the New Kids on the Block from their album The Block. Um, oh, no, not 2005. 2008. That's I what I was going to say. Okay. Um, from the album The Block. And actually, Lady Gaga got her start A number one writing for these guys and B number two going on tour as an opening act for them. She was on tour opening for New Kids with New Edition? I don't know if New Edition oh, was okay. necessarily there, but she opened for New Kids on the Block. Okay, right. They are featured on this track. Okay. Um, New Edition, if you're not familiar, I mean, they are one of the most legendary and influential R&B supergroups that has ever come to fruition, to existence. You've got Bobby Brown, you've got Johnny Gill, who came in to replace Bobby Brown, and then wound up having a solo career of his own, and then they came back together again in the mid-90s to reassemble all six of them, including Bobby Brown and uh, Johnny Gill. You've got... um, Belle Biv DeVoe, who went in and three guys separated and did their own thing with Poison. You remember that song, Poison? How can you forget? And Ralph Trey's Vaunt, who also had his own uh, solo album experience. So all, all six of these dudes are incredibly, incredibly talented. They spun off and supported so many artists. Uh, Michael Bivens is the one that told Left Eye that she had beautiful eyes, particularly her left one, which is what led her allegedly to to adopt the, the name Left Eye. Um you know, so many they they produce so many acts. So anyway, I, I wanted to give a shout out to them and also New Kids on the Block, which were super group of my generation. Absolutely. I mean, this all sounds kind of hot. Also, a little bit of a hot mess. Um, but tell me, you're saying no? But- it's not. Yeah, it didn't wind up becoming as big of a mess. But go. Okay. Um, well, so this is a silly question, but who's your who's the new kid that does it for you? 
Oh, man. I always liked um, Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg. Mm, sure. He was bad. And it was like the one that that was always the kid in school, the clown in school, the one that was always really rowdy and rambunctious, who like on the surface pissed me off, but also kind of made me feel like insecure and like a little bit crushy because like I liked him and I couldn't like him. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to get beat. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Why uh, Why full service compared to one of the old tracks from back in the day, a nostalgic one? Well, I wanted to acknowledge the inclusion of Red One and Lady Gaga as well as the inclusion of um, New Edition. Does it turn you on in a different kind of way? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's sick. I mean, he's like, I- I'll-, I'll fill you up when your drink splashes. Or I'll wipe you up when your drink splashes and stuff. And you know, I want to protect your assets. And all this t- talk about filling you up. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Could you get any more steamy and like ridiculously like biological than that? Right. You <laughs> any know? more biological. Well... <laughs> My um my my favorite always was Jordan Knight. Really, if like I had a type, I think I'm more of a Jordan Knight type of person. Um, and I remember I had the uh, poster of Jordan Knight taped um, inside my closet door. So <laughs> there's a lot of um uh, straight up metaphor right there, I guess. But um it was yeah, I'd open my closet door and see Jordan Knight in the morning and in the evening, I suppose. Um, but my uh sort of one on my list of sexy men's that relates is uh, when he had his uh, venture into being a solo act and he had that single I Give It To You. To give you some. I'm convinced you need one, baby. No. were such a phenomenon. I remember um, in that time, the same time, uh, uh, Joey McIntyre came out with Never... uh, always be the same. What is it called? Never be the oh, same. Oh gosh, that, it stay was the same. Stay, stay the, the same. same. I was gonna say it was something triacly like that. I mean, I never understood his um, appeal. Appeal. I didn't. I mean, I, I people go crazy for Joey McIntyre. I always he thought was he was a little boy in the group. He was, time. but I guess once he got older, when he came back out and tried to do the solo thing in the early two thousands, I found him a little bit um, an odd duck. I don't mm-hmm. know. I was surprised it w- it did so well. You know what I was also surprised to find out is that Jonathan Knight, Jordan's brother, mm-hmm. wound up he's it turns out he's gay. Yeah. And he never really everybody was like, Why did you wait so long? It's a little to bit come of a out? dream crushed for me, honestly. Though. Yeah. Everybody was like, Why did you wait so long to come out? And I remember him saying something to the effect of, Well, I never was really like, you know, I wasn't really in. I just didn't feel the need to blast it. Kind of like in, similarly in a way that, you know, that happened with um with Lance from NSYNC. But that's a different situation. I want to talk about that a little bit later. Let's do it. But I just have to say, I I roll my eyes at that a little bit because I just think that, you know... uh it's just when when people who are in the public eye, you know, people who end up coming out later, when they claim this sort of like, I wasn't in, I just wasn't talking about it. You know, yeah, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to. But we live in the real world. And I don't know. I don't really have a lot of patience sure. for it. That's my own personal. I hear that. I hear that. And I'm, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes. It's intensely personal. I think a lot of times when it comes to a situation where there's a lot of rumors, those rumors, especially in in that 80s, 90s world, can feel like accusations. And I know that – I mean I came out when I was 14 years old and it felt like a defeat to me at the time because I was a dancer. I was into – you know, I was doing all these CNC Music Factory, running dances and dance competitions and things like that. And that's where I was coming from. Oh, yeah, I'm a man. I dance. I'm a boy. And it's okay for boys to dance. But everybody else wanted to try to accuse me, you know – and accuse me of being gay. And so that became something that in admitting that, you're almost admitting that you're doing something wrong. I completely so set relate up. to it's you. It's a total setup. I, I completely relate. And um, it is hard. And I feel that. And so and I just want to say in me rolling my eyes or sort of, you know, having my opinion about the way that they came out and when, it's really with respect to the fact that I didn't live those, that life and I, I can't pretend to know what it's like and I really do respect everyone's journey. It's just me adding my two cents in my view. Yeah, it's a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, these guys had lunchboxes, video games, absolutely, you know, uh, board games, uh, TV shows, cartoons. My sister had the sheets and I remember... And I had the towel, the yeah. beach towel. I think actually my brother See, did, but I, I think w- I stole it. I never allowed myself to participate that much. I liked it from afar and, you know, Step by Step, step, by um, step. <laughs> is my Ooh, karaoke baby. go-to song. Like, Oh, that's smart. That's a good one. Do you want to talk about NSYNC? 
Yeah, why not? We should totally talk about NSYNC. Um, I have a really funny pick for my NSYNC uh, list. So... um, for mine, you know, you know, we always talk about track six, seven, eight. Sometimes even later. I think this was another one, like eleven or twelve, but <laughs> off their uh, debut U.S. CD because I think they released a CD overseas before their U.S. one. Yep. Um, but their debut U.S. record was "Sailing," um, which was Cross. yes, was the Christopher Cross cover. Well, it's not far back to sanity. At least it's not for me. And if the wind is right, you can sail away. Talk about narrative and story that we were saying before. You know, it really is a J.C. Chazé song. I mean, you hear all the other boys on harmony, but he's in the lead spot for most of that song, which actually really he was the lead vocalist um, initially until Justin, I feel like, really took uh, took off. Took off exactly, but uh, but sailing tells this just sweet story, and I yeah, I wanted to be swept away in that ship, honey. Yeah, I noticed that about a lot of the ballads that people like In Sync and the Backstreet Boys and things like that. That the sentiment of they're singing directly to you, and they were like the perfect boyfriend that was going to sweep you off your feet and and hold you and take care of you. I was just watching a video of um, Richard Marks. Do you remember Rich, Richard Marks? Of course. Which interesting J.C. Chazé connection? Do you know right. this? No, go. Just um, I he I I forget if it was Mickey Mouse Club or just one of his you know. Big claim to fame things was when he was a younger kid, he covered um, Right Here Waiting for You by Richard Marks. And it was sort of one of those like big songs when everyone sort of realized how talented J.C. Chazé is. Well, they they maintained that connection through um, This I Promise You, the last single from the the No Strings Attached album that – Richard Marks wrote for them. And I was watching this concert of Richard Marks singing that song now again like a, a few years ago. And he had Jay-Z come out on stage and take the second verse. Similarly. Jay-Z or Jay-Z? Jay-Z. Oh. Did I, oh yeah. <laughs> Richard Marks had I Jay-Z thought... <laughs> come out on stage and the whole thing blew up, honey. Little Kim was there. It was bonkers. I was like, that would have been a sight to see. No, it was Jay- – <laughs> As much as that would have been amazing, alas, it was America's Best Dance Crew, JC, who is wonderful. What a weird career choice. And I have – well, I don't know if it was necessarily so much of a choice. I have a lot to say about that. Okay. I have a lot to say about that. But they were – the point I was trying to make is that they were singing together and I was realizing, wow, this is is almost a part of music that we kind of almost don't have in this day and age of the sort of grab and go, scream in your face loud as possible, get get the 99 cent download. Uh, a song of a story of a man talking about how he's going to love you and take care of you. It's so beautiful. And, you know, we've, we've talked about girl groups. I mean, this also rich tradition of, you know, male acapella vocalists. And I think, you know, I don't have Backstreet Boys on my list for today, but that was, you know, they were the rival group, obviously, of NSYNC at the time, pitted against each other by Lou Pearlman. Same um, same manager. Same manager, pitted right against each other because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I guess those boys were treated just like the way the girls are. Um, fair is fair. They got but, a raw deal too right but what um but what's interesting with backstreet boys in the same kind of way is they really are um despite some of the pop cheesy music they're all really good singers and they really can sing well together and you over you, that gets overlooked i think because a lot of the music was you know not always of the highest caliber or was marketed towards tweens and so people didn't take it seriously but they really are strong musicians well this track that you chose sailing is a perfect example of how they're really amazing harm that's five part harmony they're they're so tight. The reason why they're named in sync, not only because it's the last uh, letter of each of the original five members. Which named. I think was a device, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, but also because uh, I think it was Justin Timberlake's mom pointed out that their vocals were so cohesive. You know, I'll have you know, and speaking about, you know, arguing about who's talented and who who's not um, – Chris Kirkpatrick and Joey Fatone actually started the group. They used to be performers together. At, I think it was at Universal Studios. Yes, at the theme park. And that's how the whole thing. That's how the whole thing happened. Yep. They pulled in Justin and JC, who were from the Mickey Mouse Club, and I think Lance was the the final one to join the group. He was a replacement after their old bass dropped out. Right. Um, but I I wanted I want to say and qualify that for the record in a Justin Timberlake world, I always said that Joey was the hot one. Well, of course you did. I, I thought he it was so 
wonderful to see like a big bearish dude out there. Joey with a beard. Fatone I'm and Donnie Wahlberg, and this is what's happening with Vicky. And he's got. So I don't know what you're talking about with when you said you like the brown earlier, because I don't think Donnie Wahlberg or Joey Fatone. They Joey's Italian. That's true. Um, I don't know. I don't know okay. what it was about Donnie. I think it was the leather jacket and the, sure. you know the earrings and stuff like that. But Joey had a beautiful ballad on the on the line soundtrack um, that I thought perfectly displayed and justified his position with that group. He has a beautiful baritone voice. Absolutely, and yeah. because he doesn't have the matinee idol appearance, he didn't get the top billing. But really. he's he's my baby. Just for the record, all respect to your wife and your children. Jay-Z Chazé is what did it for me. That's what we're going to talk about? Yeah. What? Well, his song, he had a solo album, and a lot of people don't realize that. Didn't he have two? Uh, Did he have two? I know he had a solo album. He had some internet releases afterwards. Okay. But uh, they put the kibosh on on the promotion of his singles because of the sexual content as a a result of the fallout from the 2004 Super Bowl wardrobe malfunction incident. Wait, I didn't realize that he was a victim of that fallout as well. Well, there were a lot of victims of that sure. fallout. Very but true. His, so the song that I put on this playlist is called All Day Long I Dream About Sex. Yes. All day long I dream about sex and all night long I think about sex and all the time I think about sex with you with you It's so 80s and, and um and like raw and like new order synthy, you know, um, and he's being blatant about how, talking about how he wants to hit the spot, get it hot all night long. You know, he's got other tracks on the album. Uh, there's a song called Come to Me, which samples I wear my sunglasses at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, a masturbation fantasy. And he says the word masturbate in the lyrics. I mean, he was to Justin Timberlake's Michael Jackson. Yeah. He was the prince to Justin Timberlake's Michael Jackson. This album that he came out with, Schizophrenic, was all different ki- types of musical voices. Hence the name. Has, exactly. <laughs> the, the cover is him wearing a straitjacket. Right. People found it hard to latch on to a cohesive sound from the record, but I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. I remember it so well, and I was disappointed when it, uh, when it didn't take off because I think he um, took risks. Sometimes you've got to be blatant in that way. It's exciting to just put it out there. And um, again, especially when I feel like men can only talk about their sexuality um, in very specific ways about how they are turned on by women, um, but not about really owning it themselves. So to have a song that's a masturbation fantasy, yeah. is, that's a big deal. The lead single, Some Girls Dance With Women, is basically yeah. about being voyeuristic and, and looking in on two girls dancing with each other with the intention of trying to turn on a male pursuer, you know? And so it was like the sexual content of this album and the singles that that got chosen, I really felt led to this sort of downfall and really like didn't give you a chance to really appreciate him. He had his moment with from the Drumline soundtrack right. uh, with Blowing Me Up With Her Love, which was produced by Dallas Austin mm-hmm. um, and the, the movie starring uh, Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon. The, you know, the future and now Ooh. former Mr. Mariah Carey. <laughs> um, in his film debut. But yeah, that, that single was gigantic and we thought that JC was going to blow up and I believe did deserve to blow up just as large as Justin Timberlake did. But for some reason, they took the, the, the wheels right off his train. You know, I have two quick tangents about this. One is um, we could talk about, you know, the Super Bowl incident from Janet forever. Um, but as Vicky knows well, I've always had a really bit of a hard time with the way Justin responded to all of that. And I really made me not so much a fan of his because I felt like the gender politics were such that, you know, it was a performance where both of them were on stage and they both made a choice. And the repercussions of that went about 90% to Janet. And it really destroyed this woman's career. And um, it just wasn't fair. And he didn't stand up and he didn't own it. And he really, I felt like, abandoned her. However, what I think is really interesting, I still am not a super fan, but I was YouTubing an old interview just the other night. And um, it was a random John Norris MTV interview with Justin. And, uh, you know, he, it was the first, it was the only time I've actually, maybe you've seen this, heard him talk about the fact that it was, he was reflecting for just a couple minutes on the Super Bowl. And he was saying how he doesn't know at the time what he could have done because of the madness that was going on, but it is a regret of his and he looks back and wishes he could have been, um, he could have responded differently and that he could have, um, 
you know, been more supportive to Janet and to other artists about the importance of having creative freedom. And, I, you know, it didn't make me a huge fan of his, but it, it made me feel a little bit better. He did acknowledge, I think I know what interview you're talking about, too, and I've heard him acknowledge that, you know, women and especially women of color have it a lot harder. Yes. And I think that that had a lot to do with why there was such a gigantic outrage, uh, an uproar over this incident. It's huge. And I think it's worth taking a moment to really talk about it because it's really shaped the way that our, our, we experience culture now that, that they tr- uh, almost quintupled the fine uh, of you know, committing what is considered a lewd act on television. They've introduced delays now. You know, so like, for example, when um, Sally Field was accepting, I think it was she was winning a, an, an Emmy. Uh, she had something to say about the troops, the war, something like that. And they had the opportunity because of the delay to cut out her speech, to cut away to something else. And so th- this was all going on when we were just beginning our experience in the, the whole Iraq journey. And dissension was really controversial the Dixie well, the checks most were, recent journey yeah exactly right, right. Yeah. the latest one that we that we have right now but i mean dissension was really not it's true I, I think the sexual politics are also so interesting on a couple levels one i mean the actual incident of you know her boob coming out it was kind of a strange choice because it was so quick i was sort of thought to my you know you thought to yourself watching it why did you even bother doing it like if you're going to make it it almost was like not enough of a statement it's like why did you risk why did you do that um if you're not going to do more but also it's it, it also brings up the whole question of why is this such a big deal what are we afraid of it's bodies i think it really was an accident i was reading about this i really? read about this extensively and that it wasn't like they got in such big trouble because the network felt that it was something that they pulled on them they wanted to add a button on it last minute that made something really wow happen and they were going to try to pull the kilt off Janet was wearing like a kilt but they couldn't get it was too cumbersome and they couldn't get a costume reveal flashy and quick enough so they decided to make and I don't know if you noticed but the front part of her the leather part of her outfit uh, had snaps on it. So right. they, at the last minute, they decided, okay, we'll just do that. We'll do a rip with the front part of the bra, and underneath she'll have the la- the red lacy bra. But unfortunately... He grabbed the bra? Uh, unfortunately, the the bra either collapsed, like went underneath. I mean, it's made... It wasn't made from, like, you know, rubber or right. neoprene. It was made from, from silk or lace or something like that. And the whole, the whole thing of Have You Naked Before the End of the Song, it's like, oh, I'm going to reveal your red lingerie or something like right. that. That would have made, like, a hot statement and a pose. Do you know what I'm saying? But so, so many of these songs are, you know, obviously because, you know, most of them are geared towards a straight audience. There's a lot of, you know, men singing about what they want to do to women or how they want to be with women. And I think that's interesting, too, because you don't want to be disrespectful towards women. And at the same time, you don't want to ignore what's exciting and fun about sex. And that's such a fine line to walk um, in pop culture and in mainstream culture. So I think that's really interesting, too. And it's confusing. Do you have a sexy song like that 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 you're talking about that walks that that line? mm, That that walks that line. Well, I don't know that I – well, I don't know specifically. Do you? Um. I have freaking you by Jodeci. Okay. Joe laid in the bed bumping Jodeci. Yeah. of their time. I don't know if you've ever seen the unplugged performance of Lately by um, Stevie Wonder where they're, they, they're just wailing on a mic blasting Lately and it's absolutely amazing. But yeah, this song this song um, was big in 1995. It hit number one on the R&B charts and number two on the Billboard 200. It's from the album uh, The Show, The After Party, The Hotel. The first time I heard it was actually <laughs> at a pool party as part of the MTV Party to Go 7 CD mix. Um, it's really funny because a lot of, I was reading reviews about this album and, and some people were saying that one of the criticisms they had for for Jodeci was that there was a lack of maturity in the mixing of their albums because the transitions were a little bit wonky, a little bit bumpy. And it's funny, when I first initially downloaded this track, I downloaded it like two or three times from two or three different compilations because they had weird intros and outros at the beginning of the track. And I was like, I just want the track. 
Oh, you know what I mean? So strange. But it is, this is such a sexy, sexy song. I mean, Mariah Carey refers to him, refers to them when she sings, uh, like when she samples "Forever My Lady" from mm-hmm. that 1991 song "Forever My Lady," um, and that song "Impossible" from the uh, memoirs of the Imperfect Angel. Um, the never to be ignored. But a little bit of history about the production and about who these guys are. I don't know. Have you guys ever? Have you heard of Casey and JoJo? Of course, I know Joe to see. Yeah, okay. But let's okay. Look, well, let's well, they split off. Once upon a time, they were part of this greater band, Joe to see, and the pro- producer and the main uh, force, producing force behind this band, his name was Devante Swing. He um, he auditioned for Prince, but he was turned down. But was given a huge hand by Heavy D, who forwarded his tape along. So uh, again, another inf- uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about Seven Hundred Two from um, the girl group episode that we did. Okay, but Heavy D has been a gigantic moving force in supporting artists and Devante got his start and Devante spiraled out into Timbaland's whole crew uh, the basement uh, and swing mob and all that stuff uh, from Devante from working with Jodeci and stuff so this this song is freaking you this video about these dudes saying every freaking night and every freaking day I want to freak you <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> you can't get any more sexy men's than that, right? Right? right. No. So, so what? So, let's talk about that though. How do we? How do you square the circle of it's it's exciting and it's hot versus um, it's it's uh, objectifying and it's you know not respectful? I talk about this a lot with my therapist. Oh, great! <laughs> we're getting a, we're getting the secret now. about the the this, the fine line between objectification. And and subjectification of, mm-hmm. of of being able to give yourself up to somebody, knowing that they care about you, but also giving relinquishing that control and letting them treat you like a damn dirty animal. Do right. you know what I'm saying? And I think that that's every like I can't speak on behalf of women, but I can speak on behalf of sensitive, flamboyant gay men <laughs> such, such as myself that. You want it. You want a dude that's going to be able to hold you and be strong, but that also you know that he'll be there if you you spiral out into some sort of kinky thing. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes, I think I I think that totally makes sense. I think in personal relationships, I totally get it. I guess the question is when you're you know speaking to millions of people like this through a song. You know, the the listener doesn't have the chance to to actively submit. So it, it becomes this moment of like, is it okay for men to talk about what they want to do with women, mm-hmm. or maybe with men? Yeah, well, <laughs> and in, <laughs> in some our cases, world. yeah, and in some one in five cases with some of the groups, right, <laughs> it winds up being the case that they were the whole time singing to men, which is so sweet to think about. Yeah, you know, it's so <laughs> the adorable. Rocks Vicky's world. <laughs> um, well, I mean, speaking of that, you know. Um, I wanted to talk about one of the sexiest men for me, George Michael. Yes. Um, he is that perfect mix of um, mystery and dark, you know, features with the sunglasses and sort of the bad boy thing going on. And uh, he just – he was uh, – what's the word? Um, intoxicating when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And um, the one I want to throw on the playlist is Father Figure, which works on all sorts of Back in 1988, it was, of course, the number one. Um, there's so much gay subtext here, and there's so much gay subtext with George at this point, even even though he wasn't in any way out. I mean, he clearly knew who he was, and I was buying what he was selling. Holler. So was the like the really rigid, stern man-looking woman in that right? video. Right, <laughs> right with the boxy with the shoulders boxy and the blazer. shoulders and the bob right. haircut. No, I was going to say the video that they have these gorgeous shots in the taxi around the city. And then it's all just the whole story centers on his fascination with a model. And like that's hilarious. And also a little stalkery and creepy. And the stalker thing is sort of um, worrisome but also so hot. that you're The danger. Sort of, yeah, the danger. It's so hot. Yeah, well, there is an element of danger. There's certainly an element of danger as an LGBTQ member to confess your love to somebody that you've been pining for. You know, yeah. you don't know if you're going to get kissed or if your face is going to get punched. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> right. And this woman throwing her eyeliner and getting upset at him in the video, she looked like she might have punched him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 
I also just loved a ballad like this where um, he was uh, blurring all sorts of lines and, um, you know, offering to be your daddy and talking about being naked in bed. And it was it was like not the explicit kind of, you know, I'm going to bump you all night in that way that we were just <laughs> talking about with freaking you. But um, but it's just as dirty. Well, he always had a, an elegance with his production and yeah. his delivery. Like that's a, a word that I was thinking about last night with everything that he produces. It's always very stylized and very elegant and also haunting. He has a lot of haunting, of like a dark haunting elements, which isn't I think sometimes is the word. love and lust can some, can be something that does haunt you. It mm-hmm. follows you around and it, you know, it nags in the corner of your mind. Especially when you feel like it's wrong. Oh my goodness. So there's that whole other element to all of the music that he's done, you know yeah. what I mean? That, that adds that ante to it. Absolutely. You know, Another person who has a really haunting vocal style, but that you wouldn't initially think is haunting because of all the falsetto that he uses, Darren Hayes. Oh, yes. From Savage um, Garden. From Savage Garden. Oh, my gosh. Wait. You know what's so funny about this is um, Queer Connections, obviously – well, not maybe not obviously the people, but he is a gay man himself. But he also, Savage Garden, really got their U.S. success from the Rosie O'Donnell show back in the day. Oh, is that right? I think she, yes, her, I mean, I can't really credit her necessarily. It was probably a producer. But the Rosie show was the first show to book Savage Garden in the U.S. They were big hits overseas. And um, he, to this day, thanks her and thanks that show for the success he's enjoyed. That's pretty amazing. Right? Queers I, looking out for queers. Queers looking out for queers. Well, the the song from his catalog that I added, and I know you have one of your own, I added Insatiable from 2002 Spin. Right, from his own, from his record. Yeah, yes. and you want to talk about haunting. You want to talk about a haunting song. <laughs> But what I think, what I wanted to say right off the bat is I think it's hilarious that ultimately he wound up coming forward as gay when on so many episodes of Dawson's Creek and in so many, you know, uh, commercials for like One Tree Hill and, you know, you know, uh, all of these uh, heteronormative, you know, uh, TV shows that we're getting, we get played, I want to lay with you on a mountain, you know, from them. And it turns out the whole damn time he was singing to a man that is just so... So awesome. Well, that's the, that's the subversive thing we love about being gay, or at least I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love those moments where you can just sort of like twist it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this song was another one of those blatant, like George Michael moments where he's blatantly talking about like, you know, we build our church above these streets. We practice love between these sheets. Like he's, it's dangerous. He's talking about like, you know, being insatiable, unable to be satisfied yeah. by his sexual partner. And that, and it's haunting. It sounds like he's crying at certain times. It almost, there's, there's parts where he's breathing heavy and almost whimpering and the idea I mean Janet Jackson has cornered the market of like masturbating in the studio and putting it on an album <laughs> like Jimmy Jam and T- Terry Lewis the things that they must have seen but he it sounded like he was kind of doing it a little bit as well on this track and it's so dangerous I think that's really true you know I've listened to this song many a time um, and I never even uh, consciously picked up on what you were just talking about, but it's so true. It's yeah. all there, and the, the layers are. It's very hot. Yeah, there was a remix of this song. I think it was the Calderon remix. I used to I used to hang out with this DJ who sees a DJ at a local club, and he would play the Calderon remix of the song as part of his set. And I mean, I, that would be one of my like uh, wish I didn't miss you, Angie Stone moments, where I was just freaking out like in a in a dance trance on the dance floor to Insatiable by Darren Hayes. So That's tell amazing. me about your selection. Oh, there. I mean, I I really have loved him for quite some time. I mean, I he was one of those stories, like, unlike a, a J.C. Chazay, who you sort of wish might be gay. Like, Darren Hayes, I really crushed on him when he blew up with Savage Garden. And then, you know, to find out that he's gay doesn't really matter. It's not like you're ever going to be with the dude. But, like, it just makes it all the more exciting when that happens. It feels great. Um, so his whole catalog is something that I listen to um frequently but I love that he covers lots of Madonna Um, some of it's official and some of it he'll just do live in concert or you can find it on YouTube or whatever Um, but he did release I think it's like a B-side on a single or maybe it's on an album I don't even know Um, but it's called Angel and it's of course the old Madonna track from like a virgin
just has this beautiful um uh, this beautiful bright voice that really is interesting because Madonna always had sort of a, a lower rich tone for a woman and so it's interesting to hear a Madonna song sung by Darren where he's um, really using a high register of his voice and, and taking the whole uh, idea of you know uh, professing that, that this person that he wants as an angel is a is a man is coming a man. to him it's yeah so about Angel it's really funny I was just reading I was watching the video for this from her um from her Like a Virgin tour, the Virgin tour, um, which this track was actually left off the video, the DVD. She didn't do this on the DVD. But um, this was supposed to be the first single from Like a Virgin. It was a song that she wrote with Stephen Bray, and it was produced by Nile Rodgers. They brought Nile Rodgers in, who was a member of Chic, uh-huh. um, and went on to become a producer from some of the most gigantic records. You know, he did Let's Dance by David Bowie. He did uh, Like a Virgin. He did the whole Madonna album Like a Virgin. And now he's he's enjoying a resurgence of success. And I love watching him accept awards with Daft Punk and um, and Pharrell Williams. You know, it's, it's so awesome to see people of this generation now getting back into what he was doing. Um, but, yeah, this that song was, was written by Stephen Bray and Madonna and produced by him. Um, and it was supposed to be the first single, but then they started writing Like a Virgin. And so it kind of got pushed back and it became uh, uh, the last single released in the yeah. album. Was It turned out to be top five, but it wasn't really embraced as in the pantheon of Madonna singles. It's not, but it's always been in the soundtrack of my life. Yeah, I've always loved that song. And it was a, a close miss for my top ten from yeah. hers. But I'm so glad that somebody like Darren Hayes acknowledges that and then turns it and flips it. I'm sure she's she's a like ape shit over the fact that like in love with him for for doing. I that. hope so because she loves it when when you switch the you you flip the script. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean and 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 remix or repurpose. You know. I hope so. We always think of her as so aggressive, but it would be great <laughs> to think of her as being really supportive of someone of something like that. Somehow, with how you know, with the interest that she took in Ricky Martin and Michael Jackson, it, it wouldn't surprise me if she was all about you know a. a, a a gay man or otherwise seemingly so <laughs> man being open about his sexuality. Well, I mean, speaking of Ricky Martin, I've, I've got one on my list from him because uh, Ricky is um, he's everything. I mean, I think that he's a little bit silly. I mean, frankly, as a performer, he, he doesn't always uh, uh, give off the most sophisticated <laughs> vibe. I mean, he's Menudo and he's now grown up Menudo and it's all a little cheesy, but um, that that Puerto Rican lusciousness is everything. He really is beautiful. Oh my gosh, just beautiful. And I actually really, I find some of his um, English, uh, American focused performances um, to be a little tackier. I really like, even though I don't understand a word of it, I really like when I hear like a nice Spanish song from him. So one of the albums I just loved was when he did MTV Unplugged, uh, which was, I thought, a really cool choice. Um, I think he probably wanted to show his musicianship and that he's, you know, a legit singer. But it's also just so sexy. You hear, um, you know, simple uh, acoustics and uh, it sounds like he's, you know, out in the breeze and you feel like you're out there with him and I want a cocktail on the beach and looking up at the stars and takes me to heaven. So I'm putting Vuelve from the MTV Unplugged album. That's beautiful. Yeah, I've always loved Ricky Martin. I my first experience with him was again another Madonna reference, and I do apologize, but uh, that's okay. Cuidado, careful, be careful with my heart from um, his his English debut album, mm-hmm. right? But I always remember him in the the Hold Me video, the the Minuto video, where like he jumps up on the lamppost and turns around, and he's got the big old <laughs> that grin big on his smile. Face. Yeah, 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 and it's so adorable. And I always think of like. The, the men I fall in love with, whenever I see, like, baby pictures of them, I'm like, that's the child that I want to have. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like I'm he just looks saying. like such a such a wholesome and, like, wonderful, like, little guy. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, and I think he probably really is. I mean, I think to this day. I mean, he. But you know what's great at too about that Latin culture? I think is that they have. Um, I think I'm so drawn to it because growing up Irish Catholic, I have such um, walls up around my own sexuality. It's like you don't go there. Um, and I love how uh, 
you know, a lot of times in Hispanic Latin culture, there's this fusion and integration of their sexuality into their daily life where it's not um, where it's not, you know, uh, explicit to the point of being offensive. It's just it's it's a part of humanity, and they sort of own it. This is a broad generalization, I realize, but <laughs> but it's positive. So, but it is positive. So that maybe they'll take it. I don't know, but maybe that's just my fantasy. Well, either way, <laughs> I thought that the way that he dealt with Barbara Walters and the whole putting him on the spot with that, you know, all you oh, all you not homosexual or whatever she said to him. Yeah. He dealt with it really classy and I'm and I'm glad that eventually he did, you know, he did join the ranks and and now he's a very powerful advocate. Advocate yeah. and it's around so, the world more so than in the US even. And it means so much more also around the world and you know, uh, to see pictures of him and his family and to see them as as a stable and loving unit is such a, such a gigantic boost for us all. I agree. You know. I agree. Um, well, I have to switch. I had to switch gears a little bit okay. because I want to talk about more current stuff that's going sure. on. Um, there's this guy, and his name is Miguel. And I don't oh. know if you recognize him from Mariah Carey's latest uh, beautiful song. I don't know. Is that the latest? <laughs> well, it's not the latest, but it certainly was the last one that they played on the radio. I think I think that's the one where she um, did something to her shoulder. She fell off the platform, and and she and sat that was in the it. chair for the last live performance that they did. I think that. But was But anyway, was it. I want to talk about Miguel because he has the voice of when I imagine like a guy singing to me he has this sort of like longing croon tone that he has to his voice the the song that I chose is All I Want Is You from his the lead single from his album of the same name back in 2010 that his tone is absolutely beautiful. Um, he also has a track on oh, a Santana compilation. It's track nine. I don't oh. know if that's a track seven or eight, but it's a nine. Okay. Um, it's we'll take called, it. It's called Indie, and it sounds like a medit- like an Eastern meditation. And he does a lot of comparisons of, of like being intoxicated with somebody, like falling in love with them, being compared to the uh, the experience of becoming, you know, being under the influence of drugs or something like that. Mm. You know, the bridge, you know I'm nuts about bridges and songs. Absolutely. I love well, that- it's where the song transforms and twists and goes. Well, you add that element. You yeah. introduce a variable that takes the stakes to, you know, to 150. It's and like a costume change in the middle of a drag number. It, right. A reveal. <laughs> a well, reveal. he reveals. I mean, he says they don't smile. They don't smell like you, you know, and it's just like it, when he sings, it sounds like he's singing to me. And I don't know what his his sexual orientation is. I but, think he's probably straight. Yeah. Maybe not. But you know what? I, you're making me feel like, I mean, I do enjoy his voice. I don't know his catalog very well, so I might need to check out some more Miguel. Well, he is a sexy man. This song was produced by Salam Remy, who okay. also produced Can't Get It Back, which I talked about way back on the, the Girl Group episode. Way back. Way back. But he also produced Fuji La by the Fugees. Um, he also did uh, Girl on Fire. Right. Um, and the rapper on this track, his name is J. Cole. And J. Cole, I love. He's got a new album out recently. It's called 2014 Forest Hills Drive. And he's got a really hot song called Wet Dreams about a boy's uncomfortable and insecure first experience having sex with a girl that he believes is more experienced than him. And at the end of the song, in a twist, like a bridge or like the the twist that I like in my songs, Mm -hmm. she reveals to him that she's also never been with a man before. And so it's this whole like coming of age story via rap. J. Cole, rapper on this track. All right. Yeah, love him. I love that. I love a story. (laughs) (laughs) A narrative, darling. I love a narrative. Um, Well, let's see. I want to... Uh, be a little bit more nostalgic again. That's where a lot of a lot of my sexy men's uh, go backwards. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> go backwards, go both ways. <laughs> oh gosh, the fun never stops. Um, well, this is a funny one. I know you'll appreciate this. Talking about Miguel um, and some others, I was always incredibly turned on by Next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> I saw this on the list, and I was Brandon. What is that you got explaining? Go. Next, um, but the song too close baby when we're crying oh yeah I get so excited feel so good so real but I can't find it You 
know, this is embarrassing only because it's not embarrassing, actually. I'm going to own it. I don't know next. I mean, I bought the album because of the one song. I don't know any of their names. The album was like, okay, but nothing really stuck with me. But the song Too Close, I mean, it came out right at the time where I was um, really feeling the kinds of things they were talking about. And it's very blunt. <laughs> There's no flowery images. It's about what it's like to, you know, get a get a hard on and rub it up against someone um, <laughs> on the dance floor. Beautiful and sentiment. It really is uh, charming. I know, um, but I loved hearing. I loved hearing somebody talk about that. It's like, oh, I was feeling this, and these people are talking about it, and it's exciting. And there was, you know, no mystery. It was. It was just hot. I yeah. don't know. It always put me into a place. That is really scandalous. That's yeah. It's definitely scandalous. Like, when do guys talk about boners? Well, there's no... I mean, like, there's such an emphasis on the female anatomy. I mean, we have just tits and ass thrown at each other, at us. <laughs> at like, each at other. At each other. <laughs> thrown at each other sometimes. I mean, in the media that we experience, the, they're always so quick to have the chick take her top off. But it is such a... I can't... The, the, the last time I remember, like, seeing a penis in a movie was, like... William Baldwin and Sliver or something like that like I well I mean there's always the scandalous you know you've got your Ben Affleck and Gone Girl and like the little bits here and there but is it used in a way where we view him as an object of desire or is it a lot of times it's like oh something you know he's sickly or he's depraved or or something and it's never like this is this man and this is his or like Michael Fassbender in Shame I don't know if you saw that film Mm -hmm. Shame Um, but he is you know uh, fully exposed, full frontal, um, and he has quite an impressive physique. Um, but he, the move of the film is about sort of the challenges of his um, lust, and so it's sort of in that context. So to your point, it's not just like fun; it's very much like heavy, uh, difficult. Um, <laughs> it's heavy and difficult to be Michael Fassbender's dick, apparently. Well, I thought that that was a brave choice for you to admit to. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 well, yes, it was. Thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate the kudos. Um, do you have an explicit choice? Well, I'd like to stay on the explicit track. Explicit. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now at "Tell Me Do You Wanna" by Genuine. <laughs> Like one of my famous R&B proposition songs, like "Do You Want to Come Home" and "Bum Buglies with Me," mm-hmm. um, produced by Timbaland from Genuine's debut album, "The Bachelor." I'm sensing a theme for your tracks, Vicky. Uh, listen, I can't deny it. Just like you can't, honey. Okay. Um, I, I I'm in love with this album, cover to cover, like front to back, and a lot of Genuine's early catalog. He was, like I said before, he was a member of uh, Timbaland's uh, clique, Swing Mob, that included uh, Missy Elliott and uh, Aaliyah and Magoo, the guy that he would always enlist to rap on his on his tracks. And I loved how they were such a solid clique. They did that song "Up Jumps the Boogie." I knew every single word. Um, we used to play that song in the car and just like you know, me and my drag queen friend Miss uh, Daphne. You know, rapping. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. But their, the sound that Timbaland had come out with was so different. It was so new. It was so freaky. He was playing like these samples that were sped up or slowed way down, and like little snippets or really, um, really sparse and minimum. You know, minimalist, uh, sounding like uh, they're from outer space. You know, this music is downloaded directly from like another planet. You know, Missy Elliott's "I Can't Stand the Rain." Yeah, Aaliyah's uh, "One in a Million, and this album. By uh, by genuine and and you know in the video he he's showing off his dancing skills he's you know second only to like Michael Jackson in really? the, in the type of stuff he's an amazing dancer I had no idea and also his style we were talking about style earlier I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know we got a lot to talk about but man the way that he used to style his facial hair and like the the, the earrings oh, that, that he does used it to for wear you. yeah I mean like he used to do like a squiggle like in the side of his facial <laughs> hair and he used to use all of these relaxers that would make his hair like really like l- lay down flat and kind of shiny and stuff like that and just he had a little mustache and he was rocking that like sort of like late mid 90s like kind of pretty vibe but also like with the big sweatsuits and stuff like that and these these numbers these songs that he came out with and he's dancing we're dancing so they're slow grinds they're totally next they're totally like pressing my erection into you (laughs) you know 
Um, no shame. No shame. Well, speaking of no shame, I mean, I don't know how you feel about him, but I wanted to bring up Coswell. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that don't know, Coswell is a New York City-based DJ and rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I, besides the fact that I think he's just hot, really, yeah. really, really hot, um, he goes to that place of just being very homosexual, <laughs> very gay, not being embarrassed to be attracted to men. And he's going to, much in the same way you'd hear right or wrong, uh, straight men talk about what they want to do to women. He's going to tell you about what he's doing to himself and what he wants to do and be with other men. And it's... Uh, it's dirty and raunchy and it's exciting. It's blowing those doors of shame and having to, you know, blowing them wide open and having to do what we do uh, behind closed doors and be apologetic for it. And he's refusing to be apolog- unapologetic for it. And absolute to go back to Madonna and it always really is <laughs> concentric circles of life and Madonna sits at the center of it. At least so ours. she owns that as well. Um, but no, I mean, like, uh, He's also done – it's interesting because there is a lot – there's rumors. I don't know f- a fact, per, uh, but there are there is rumored to be a lot of homosexuality within hip-hop, the hip-hop community. But it's a lot more of an issue to come out. I think the last dude that we got to come out was Frank Ocean and he right. kind of did that in like a bit of a passive way with like a, a letter or something that he wrote. And he doesn't really – not that you have to define, but he didn't like uh, – I mean he could very well just not be defined. He doesn't need to. Right. But he didn't define it as something. It was sort of like I'm coming out as being fluid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it's – and it would be a lot harder I think for for an artist – to, to come forward as a gay rapper, there are gay rappers out there, but it's really difficult to break mainstream. And Coswell, in, he kind of like went completely bonkers off the wall in the other direction and was like, no, that like I'm going to go all the way. Yeah, and I also think you know he's so ingrained in the, the gay community uh, and, and, the, and the gay experience. Um, so I love that he's sort of a, a product of that um, and, and I think is a, actually I think a cool representative of that part of the queerness of of being a you know a gay man and the song that I wanted to put on the playlist was uh, All Over Your Face I'm greasy, grimy, two-timey but it's an animal and if I want it I get it I eat that ass like a cannibal I don't care if you think I'm dirty I am dirty learn me I'm masturbated so my KY faded I'm Another eloquent, not subtle, um, but it, you know it samples or more than samples. It, it, it features as the chorus um, an old hit, I think from the eighties. Um, Is it all over my face? I don't even know who sings it. Is it all over my face? There you go. Yeah, I want to say it's something random like Loose Joints or something like that. Um, <laughs> but what's fun about that track is a little bit of gay queer history is um, it's that's featured in the iconic documentary Paris is Burning. Okay, there you go. Um, and so it's so fun that you know he takes this song which you know had a little bit more subtlety and metaphor and then he just like hit the pedal to the metal and <laughs> talks about what's all over your face I remember we went to a party uh, that he was DJing at and I was very much at the time trying to promote, my, promote myself uh, as a drag queen but I was not in drag that night and I saw him we locked eyes he was all the way up in the DJ booth and I was on the floor and the floor was empty and I like turned to stone I mean uh-huh. like it, he is so sexy he just it, is sexy his, one of his tracks is on my list as well Ice Cream Truck which is his tribute to the Latin men of NYC so he shares your, your and my really sentiment and really loving the Latin men yeah and that song what was so great too is it really blew up in that viral way um, on like, the video he shot the video in his apartment and like around the block from where he's at and people just went nuts for it I want to give a shout out right now to a dude that was sampled uh, I'm sorry featured in the remake of uh, it's called Hot Homo Oh, uh, Big yes. Dipper. Big Dipper. Wait, by the way, before you start with Big Dipper, okay. I mean, because I'm with you, um, but uh, Hot Homo's not an official track. We can't, like, really throw it on the playlist, right. but it is definitely worth a YouTube for so many reasons. First of all, for the cultural commentary. Second of all, because it's just kind of fun and a great track. Yeah. Go. So Big Dipper comes out as this, he is this big, you know, chubby, bearish rapper dude from the Chicago area. Um, who who started rapping kind of a bit as a, as a joke, but he's turned it into a, you know a lucrative, decent career for him. And it's interesting that he's had the effect of like taking all of the you know he's wearing leotards, 
He's wearing hip-hop gear. He looks like a bear. He's big. He's hairy. You know what I'm saying? He's got his hair in pigtails. It's outrageous, and it's everything that hip-hop is. And I, I was so happy that Coswell introduced us to him because he's such a riot, and I wish him, like, so much success. I agree with you, and I think it really, for me, spoke very highly of Coswell for the same reason when I saw that collaboration because I think that Big Dipper is really doing the good, queer, um, subversive work. Yeah. And Coswell looks like a pretty gym boy, which is hot, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't feel that dangerous anymore. It's pretty much like the epitome of what you'd imagine a gay successful man to look like and um so it's cool that you can still see he's connected and respects you know this other this other thing yeah well it's nice to also finally see somebody out there that i might be attracted to sure you know i mean a bigger guy that's like getting mainstream like attention is pretty hot absolutely can i can i talk about chris isaac absolutely i mean we we don't have a a lot of time left but i needed to throw this in because i spent a lot of time watching mtv i know you did and i also spent a lot of time watching you know like melrose place 90210 and they used to they used to take songs from artists that were big at the time like Babyface or Kathy Dennis and play them in the background while like Donna and Dylan would make out or of Ke- Kelly and Brendan or whatever and one of those songs was called Wicked Game and I never dreamed that I'd lose somebody like you no This song, Wicked Game, was from the album Heart Shaped World in 1989. This song wasn't a big hit until 1991, but it was used in two episodes of 90210 in the first and the second seasons. And I can remember hearing this song as a soundtrack to those, like, make-out scenes that I used to get just so, like, warm for. That song was huge. I mean, it took over. Um, I want to hear more of your thoughts on it. I have to say that I... I think maybe it was too sexy for me. Like, I always felt a little bit uncomfortable about that song. I don't know what it was. It was, it, it sort of, um, it, it kind of just a little bit made me something inside. And I really think maybe it was almost too much for a young kid. I have this song, <laughs> you know, you know, the song Unchained Melody? Yes, Righteous the, Brothers. The Righteous Brothers. I, I don't think the Righteous Brothers were the original singers no, of that song, right. but they redid it. And the way that the, the lead singer professes, I need your love. Mm. There's something about a man sort of like begging or pleading or just pouring his heart out that the vulnerability of a man professing his love to somebody or, or you know, uh, succumbing to to a force larger than him. Uh, there's something that's just so intoxicating about that. And this track, it just sounds like somebody strumming on a guitar, like on a like on a, a shipwrecked on a beach, like longing for the woman that, you know, just did him wrong or just plays with his heart. And it, he just sounds so, so needy. And it just it it's disgustingly sexual and just, yeah. oh, my God, it's so visceral. And you remember the video? The black yeah, and white? Yeah, the black and white of the two of them. And she's topless and they figured out creative camera tricks to make sure that you never could see anything. But yeah. they're just rolling around, you know. Yeah, it was very seductive. Yeah. And so, I mean, I had to, put this, had to put this on there. And I also had to give a nod to uh, Pink's rendition of this song from her Truth About Love tour. She did a really awesome modern dance performance of this with a microphone. Well, imagine that, I'm dancing with a microphone. We know a <laughs> Who's lot about done that, that before? Yeah. <laughs> um, where uh, she does she does a cover of the song uh, with a team of guys and they're lifting her up and they're coming up with creative ways to hold the microphone to her mouth so that she can sing into it. I just thought she likes to do covers. She's done Aerosmith covers and Linda Perry covers and stuff. And I just thought, wow, it is so awesome that she's going back and acknowledging how hot this song is. And she, especially with her dikey vibe that she's got about her, giving that also extra spin to it too. Like it's... Absolutely. She it. is she's the best. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other episode to talk about. <laughs> we and sexy men's talking about pink. <laughs> talking about pink. Um, I have a funny one um, that I want to mention real quick, which is uh, we haven't talked much about country, um, but I was just all in love and all about um, What's It To You by Clay Walker. I got no what love is to you because to me it's a rhythm of two hearts beating it's a 
super random track. And this is what I get for growing up in a gay house. But my dad um, has loved Poster Boys forever. And this this country artist, you know, I'm sure thinks of himself as a great musician. And he probably is. But at the time he got his record deal, he was a hunk in a cowboy hat. Um, and, you know, with the jeans and and the cowboy hat and that's it really and I remember the the cover of the tape but I just I loved the track because it's really sweet um He's talking about he knows what love is. It's two hearts beating. It's very, you know, pure and wonderful about a man singing to his ostensibly a woman. Um, but the but the cover of the tape was so hot and my dad would drive me to school and I would always, always, always grab that tape and pop it in. <laughs> and we hit it on remember on you'd hit repeat on the in the car things, uh the car things. Yeah, we rewind it and play it back for you. Yeah, it was yeah. it was like magic. Yeah. Anyway, so you had to wait a little while, so you got a t- little bit of time to think about yeah, it, a moment to let it marinate yeah. before you got to play. There's on. something about the vulnerability of country as well as like these guys come out with these, you know, the boots and the and the hats, and they present such a, a masculine silhouette. But in these stories, like the story of this song, I was listening to it in the car the other day, and it's like it's it's disarming. You know, uh, all of a sudden you realize that these are sensitive guys. You know, they're talking about a. a journey through life with somebody that you love and it's like wow that is really sweet it melts you I it mean, melts you and it's like sensitive guys who just so happen to also look really hot and rear cattle <laughs> and rear cattle <laughs> oh my gosh all right let's find a good one to close on you got a good one to close on oh okay well yes i do it's called somebody to, Lo- to love me by mark ronson featuring boy george is a bit of like an island song. I know we had to say something about Boy George, um, but this is from uh, Mark Ronson's 2010 album Record Collection. It's the final single from that album. Kathy Dennis co-wrote this track, and you might know Kathy Dennis from her red-haired... cut out leotard days of, of you know touch me all night long but she also wrote um, Kylie's can't get you out of my head toxic for Britney Spears I kissed a girl uh, for Katy Perry so I mean she's had a hand in so much of what we what we have as part of our culture right now and a lot of those are gay artists yeah so this included boy George singing the hooks for this great little song it's very island sounding um, I mean Boy George is an inescapable force in gay British music. That He's a gift, you know? Quick Go. aside, because we don't have time, I want to keep talking there. On the EP, I'm going to put on a Robbie Williams track, because I think also he is not gay himself, but he I would say he's a little queer, and I think that um, the Brits do it right sometimes in that front. Go. Well, I just love the I love that Mark Ronson fished Boy George out to come and sing this like modern pop song. I think it's beautiful. He's talking about the type of lover that he needs, you know, and um, it's very confessional and it's it's hot. Like Mark Ronson has been doing, he did a lot with Amy Winehouse um, and he actually just produced an album now that uh, the lead single has been gigantic, Uptown Funk yes. with Bruno Mars. First of all, Bruno Mars is another person similar to Miguel who I always imagine him singing directly to me. Yeah, why isn't he on the list? He's got such a youthful voice. There's so many people. Yeah. I didn't put Prince on this list. Well, I know. There's yeah. so many people. Well, there's a weird thing about like, is it a sexy man that turns you on or is it like he's he singing a sexy song that gets you going? There's a, it's a little bit of it's both. A little bit of both. A li- and, you know, o- oftentimes you don't have to look the way that I feel like I think you do in order to in order to have something that you're talking about or singing about for me to find it's it sexy. It's the power of music. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can look like just about anything and if you come at me the right way with the right words, the right intonation or the right the right sentiment, that can be enough to melt your heart and turn you out. Well, Ms. Vicky, I think we've worked up a sweat in here. It's shown up. I think it's time to wrap it up It's before we such, smack it up. such a blast. <laughs> and we've got so much more in store for you guys. This is such a blast. All right. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. Peace. 
If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our mix a playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.